Welcome to the Silver Screen Podcast. I'm Jared Boomer. And I'm Katie Ganey West. This is a podcast about movies and pop culture. And today we are talking about the new movie, Are You There, God? It's Me, Margaret, based on the very popular Judy Bloom book. Judy Bloom did help work on this movie. I saw in the credits she helped mm-hmm. produce it. I think she helped write a little bit of it as well. I mean, obviously she wrote the book, but I think she helped a little with the screenplay as well. So um, excited to talk about this one today. You know, this is kind of an interesting movie because while it's based on a book, so it's not like a totally original idea, it's not a giant franchise or a huge action movie or something that would normally come out around this time of year. So right, it's kind of interesting, right. like it's release date at the beginning of summer. So yeah. And I had two questions for you, Jared, because I don't want to forget. Did you see Judy's cameo in the film? I did. I did see Judy's okay. cameo in the movie. Yes. Excellent. And then my second question, have you read the book? It's there. Are you there? God, it's me, Margaret. I have not read the book, so I'm okay. just going it's off really of the movie. Cute. Okay. <laughs> I think I've read it twice. I think I'm going to read it again because I know okay. the last time I read it was over five years ago. But I, oddly enough, was looking through books. I have a bookshelf in the house that's devoted to books I've already read that are my permanent collection. And mm-hmm. I didn't realize I had it there. So I found it over the weekend and was like, oh, I should reread this. But nice, it's very yeah. short. And it's really sweet if anybody wants to read it. And I, you do the same thing I do because on my bookshelf, I have different shelves. Like one shelf is a, I've read these and want to keep them. Another shelf yep. is like I haven't read any of these. So right. just keep them sorted out. So yeah, but I have not read this, but I know it's very popular novel um, and has been read by many, many people. So yes. we will talk about that today on the show. First, though, we have some news. The Met Gala happened crazy outfits as always the most notable one i saw was jared leto dressed up as a cat um yeah. sometimes i get annoyed that we share the same name because he's not doing oh that is a bummer because yeah. there's some good katie's out there there's not that many famous jareds so there's, the there's not a lot of katie's, one of them yeah there's katie holmes <laughs> katie porter mm-hmm. who else yeah. <laughs> there's some other i don't ones. know there's some They're other ones there. as well Katie um, Couric. Yeah. There's another one. Oh, you're right. Oh, gosh. Yeah. We love Katie Couric. Um, Jared <laughs> Leto, he just likes to make a statement. I am still bothered by the allegations against him, and he just seems creepy to me. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Good actor, creepy person. But the cat thing, if anybody knows, the Met Gala was centered around Karl Lagerfeld. He was a famous designer. He was head of Fendi and Chanel for a while. Um, he has died. But that I am really surprised they did this. I think the Met Gala just exists to upset people, like to be controversial, because every year it is. Um, but Carl had a cat, was like obsessed with this cat, and that is why Jared dressed up in that outfit, if you will. So do we have a, a favorite, Katie, a best or worst dressed from the Met Gala the other night? Yes, I have a two-way tie for best dressed. And they're both women. I, the men were fine. Um, I didn't love. This is not my least favorite. I didn't love Pedro Pascal's um, outfit just because yeah, I, that the red. Odd. Yeah, the red looked great on him. He everybody loves him. He's a zaddy. We all know it. But the I didn't like the shorts. So out of the men, though, okay, nobody. Yeah. None of the men blew me away. Um, the women, though, my two way ties: Anne Hathaway and Emily Blunt. They looked so good. Emily Blunt was wearing like it had. It was a high neck with a bow, and it was black and white. And then Anne Hathaway had, it kind of looked like a Versace dress that um, Elizabeth Hurley wore in the 90s or something. It reminded me of that, but it was white and her hair was just beautiful. She looked very ethereal, stunning. So they were my favorites. 
Least favorite? Um, I really didn't like anything the Kardashians wore. None of it impressed okay. me. None of it was different to me. Um, and then same with so there wasn't anybody I like outright hated. Um, but also like Billie Eilish, she looked pretty, but I feel like all of those people I've seen them. Oh, and Lily Collins, beautiful, but I've seen them wear what they've worn before. Like it didn't look new. It didn't look daring. It just was like, oh, okay, here they are again. Yeah, that's understandable. What so, are your thoughts? Um, you know, I didn't follow it that super closely. I just saw a couple of, of things there. So I think the outfits are always kind of outrageous. Yes. And, you know, it's very interesting, like this this gala for the Met um, that all these stars go to. It's like it's basically just like rich people patting other rich people on the back. Yeah. So like how much does it really matter? But, um, you know, the outfits are always fun to look at and kind of see what the, the style is for that year. So it sounds like what you're always go outrageous. Yeah, it sounds like what you're telling me is Jared Leto was your best and worst dressed. Yeah, maybe. I mean, he was the one that I know that I saw. I mean, he was perfect. He was the worst dressed, probably, but he was also the one I think that got the most attention. So yeah, I'm he dep- definitely. I guess depending did. on what your goal is at the Met Gala, maybe. Yeah, maybe that was successful for him. I don't know. So yeah. first Monday um, in May, people. That's it's always yeah. the first Monday in May. So no corrections on this episode. We do have some recommendations. Um, I don't really have many recommendations for this week. I will say I've been keeping up with Ted Lasso. I don't think this season is as great as the first two. Um, It's still good, but I don't know. I just feel like for the final season, it should be better than it is for whatever reason. So... Um, but I, I have been watching it, keeping up with it, finished Love is Blind finally. So that's done. Yes. And we're done with that. We just got to watch the rest of the reunion. We started it, but I haven't finished it yet. So, mm. um, so mainly my my recommendations are just catching up on things, trying to stay stay current on shows. Yes. So. Well, I am now all caught up on Real Housewives of Salt Lake City. I continue to be caught up <laughs> on Vanderpump Rules. So I'm basically keeping up on my guilty pleasure shows. I am very behind on Succession. I haven't even started Ted Lasso season three. So I'm really behind. I'm glad you're keeping up, Jared. Um, I did, but I did, to be fair, I just went to go visit my brother in Spain. So I was, I was gone for a little bit out of commission. Um, I am shocked. I'm going to recommend this. Uh, you know, there's some shows on Netflix where you're like, this acting is terrible and it's just melodrama. Um, there Mm -hmm. seems to be a lot of those and maybe they're geared more towards women. And also I'm part of the problem because I keep watching them. But Firefly Lane is one of those that I feel is melodramatic, but it's good acting. And I didn't really love the second season, but the third, like the final installment just came out and I thought it was really well done. And it's dealing with subject matter like cancer and things. It's it's really can be very gut wrenching. Um, I won't ruin any of it. I will say by the end, I cried and I was surprised it made me cry. Um, and it has Katherine Heigl and Sarah Chalk in it. I have never stopped liking Katherine Heigl, so I really enjoy watching her and everything. Um, but it was really well done. Uh, that being said, I don't want to read the book. It is a book by Kristen Hanna. I have read several books by Kristen Hanna and loved them all. But I don't just knowing the story of Firefly Lane, I don't think I would like the book. So anyway, okay. it's on Netflix. And if you have been keeping up with it or you're interested in watching it, the final installments out and it was really well done. 
And then I have two books to recommend. I did read a lot on these flights, these long flights to Europe. Um, One is Where Are the Children by Mary Higgins Clark. What's interesting about this, I have read a lot of Mary Higgins Clark. I read them a lot as a a teenager. She's a great thriller writer. Um, I didn't realize this was like her claim to fame, that Where Are the Children. It was just a recommendation um, on Amazon for my Kindle, so I got it. Uh, And oddly enough... Um, there's a sequel out now that's Where Are the Children Now? But I didn't realize that Mary Higgins Clark did not start out writing thrillers. She actually did like history and stuff like that. Um, But Hmm, the book was really good. It's very creepy. Um, If you can't read books about things potentially happening to children, it might not be a good book for you. But but all's well that ends well. That's what I'll say. But it's a really well done. She's a great thriller writer. And then I also read Managing Expectations by Minnie Driver. That had been on my list for a really long time. And it is, of course, Minnie Driver, the actress from Goodwill Hunting. And the book was, it's all essays. And she wrote it. It came out within the last year or so, but it was really good. And I read that the flight back was so long. I just read that in one uh, day. And I also watched Goodwill Hunting that day. So it was a very like Minnie Driver, Matt Damon heavy day for me. <laughs> very nice. Thank so you. those are all of our uh, recommends here on this episode, and now we'll move into our thoughts on Are You There, God? It's Me, Margaret, released on April 28th, rated PG-13 for sexual education, thematic material, and some suggestive material. Runtime is an hour 45 or an hour 46, depending on what you look at for this film. And IMDb is a 7.9 out of 10. Rotten Tomatoes is even higher. Critics, 98%. Audience, 94%. So everybody that has seen this movie has enjoyed it. Uh, unfortunately, it has not done amazing at the box office yet. It's only made $7.2 million, um, made a little bit, that's domestically and worldwide for its total. So um, not great at the box office, expecting maybe a little bit more, especially with a movie that's got Rachel McAdams in it based on a popular book. But we'll see if it picks up over the next couple of weeks, especially as like maybe, I don't know, like there was some, this, uh, I don't know how your showing was, but mm-hmm. my showing was a very interesting mix of people there were some older people okay there were people like me and their late 20s early 30s there were some you know teenage girls in there some with their moms Mm -hmm. some with not so it was just kind of a and i did seem to be more female though which makes sense for this movie yeah but it was kind of i don't know what your theater was like but mine was kind of a lot of different age groups in this one mine was very full and i was shocked because it was a monday and it was raining um, I went by okay. myself. I don't think there was a single man there, which okay. I wasn't surprised by, but I was really proud of you, Jared, for going because I just thought it was nice that you decided to cover this movie with me because I really wanted to see this. Um, but it was a mixture of generations for sure. But I was I, I just couldn't believe how many people were in there on a rainy Monday. And then I yeah, had, we went on a Saturday and it was it was busy. Oh, so. yeah, I would believe that. Yeah. Yep. And I I would like to take one minute to complain about this rating. So the rating PG-13, the first thing they put is sexual education. Can I just, this is my bone to pick with America. If we are going to make movies about serial killers and put guns everywhere and kind of take smoking seriously, but not seriously, but we're going to rate something harshly because people are actually educated on sex, I feel like that is a problem and says a lot about America. And that like infuriated me typing that in our notes, putting like, oh, sexual education. Let's give this a harsh rating. I do understand you don't want a six year old maybe watching material in this movie because they're not, you know, 
like ready for some of these changes, but just educating people on sexual health and everything else should not be something that is harshly judged or critiqued. And I, that just infuriates me half to death. Um, yes, Jared, Jared put a good note, um, in our little chat about how Marvel kills like (laughs) thousands of people, PG-13, uh, Judy (laughs) movie about getting your period, same rating. It's just, I just like, please take a moment and think about this because he's right. Um, and yeah, again, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have shown like a three-year-old or a five-year-old this movie. Yeah, of course yep, not. Yeah. But if we're concerned about 10, 11, 12-year-olds seeing a movie that educates them on sex, which our schools don't do a good job of, then maybe we have a problem, America. Yeah, I don't know if this was deserving of a PG-13. I think a PG probably would have been fine I do in too. this situation. I do um, too. There's not a lot of language. Um, the suggestive nope. material is not really anything worse than like you would see in a PG movie. Right. There's so no sex I think, in it either. Yeah, there's no guns. A, there's no smoking. Nope. nope. So there's very little, if at any, cursing. Right. I can't remember, but there's not very much. Right. So yeah, I think this could have gotten a, a PG and been perfectly fine with that rating. Yeah. So. Um, so this is a synopsis for this movie. If you don't know is when her family moves from the city to the suburbs, 11 year old Margaret navigates new friends, feelings, and the beginning of adolescence. And this is directed by Kelly Freeman Craig. She's from California. And her first movie was the edge of 17 with Haley Steinfeld. Pretty good movie. If you haven't seen it also like a coming of age movie, obviously a little bit later in life than Margaret is probably, you know, six, seven years later than Margaret is in this movie. Um, but still a good, you know, both are about coming of age kind of growing up stories. So, yeah. and edge of 17 is pretty good. That came out a couple years ago. I remember seeing that. So I haven't seen it, but uh, I heard that was good. And when I saw mm-hmm. that, that was the other movie she directed that made sense to me. It definitely seems like she has like a, a type of movie or a genre that she likes to do. Yeah. And like you said, this is only her second directing project. Mm -hmm. She doesn't have any upcoming projects listed right now. So we'll have to wait and see what she works on in the future. And we'll take a quick break here on the show. We'll come back. We'll talk about the cast and our likes and dislikes for Are You There, God? It's me, Margaret. And we're back here on the show talking about Are You There, God? It's me, Margaret. Uh, Margaret is the the lady that plays Margaret. We'll talk about her in just a second. She's probably the lead in this movie, but the biggest star in this movie is Rachel McAdams. And she's first build. So we're going to start with her. Obviously, you know Rachel McAdams. She's been in tons of things. Yes. Well, and also, <laughs> I do have a lot to say about the cast because Kathy Bates is extremely famous as well. But yeah, Rachel is first build. She's been doing all the press for it. I've watched a lot of interviews. Um, Jared, I can't believe I didn't put this in the notes. I think it's just because it's so obvious. Rachel is literally one of my favorite people ever, ever, ever. But if you could just lay on that crush alert, please. <laughs> Thank you so much, Jared. Uh, Rachel McAdams in this movie plays Barbara Simon. She's the mom. She is a Canadian actress best known for The Notebook, Mean Girls, Red Eye, Sherlock Holmes, and Spotlight, among other things. Uh, Also, if you haven't seen any of those movies, I suggest you do all of those uh, ASAP. Uh, She was nominated for a Best Supporting Actress in 2016 for her role in Spotlight, Um, That was Best Supporting Actress Oscar. I think you guys know that, but just saying. Um, She does not yet have any upcoming projects listed yet, but one thing I really like is she's done uh, projects recently, like kind of here and there, but she's also had 
two kids in recent years, and she is in her 40s, which I think is also impressive. So good for her. Um, next we have Abby Ryder Fortson. She plays Margaret Simon. So she is who the movie is talking about for the most part. Margaret, uh, excuse me, Abby is only 15 years old. She has starred in Ant-Man and the Wasp, Forever My Girl, and Tales from the Loop. She does not yet have any upcoming projects listed, but I have seen her on interviews and she is darling and acts very mature for her 15-year-old age. Lastly, we have Kathy Bates, who plays Sylvia Simon. So she is Margaret's grandmother, and she is Rachel McAdams' mother-in-law in in this film. Kathy is an extremely well-known actress, best known for Misery, About Schmidt, Titanic, P.S. I Love You, and Midnight in Paris. She has been nominated for four acting Oscars, and in 1991, she won a Best Actress Oscar for her role in Misery. She has five upcoming projects, including Summer Camp, The Smack, Thelma and a Family Affair. That's not all of them, but some of them. And then this movie is also starring Benny Safdie, Amari Alexis Price, Elle Graham, and Aidan Wojak Hissong. A very good cast of people and a good mix of people. I'll say more about that in our likes and dislikes. Yeah, so we'll get into our our likes and and talk a little bit about this movie. Um, One of your likes that you had was, and this is the same, I think, for people that have read the book, at least what I have heard, is that this is a really good representation of what it's like to go through puberty and go through adolescence as a teenage girl. I mean, Margaret in this movie is me having somebody that's not read the book, but to see all the things she's struggling with in terms of a new friend group, obviously growing up sexually, um, trying to make sense of religion, trying to mm-hmm. make sense of her family. I mean, she's dealing with a lot of different things in the in this movie. Yeah, this book is so remarkable. Um, I know that uh, Judy Bloom wrote it in, this, in 1970. I think it was 1970 exactly. And she's been talking about it a lot. And clearly she wrote about her own experience. Uh, she even says that in interviews and things. But I think that she captured so beautifully what it is like to be a teenage girl. And I obviously haven't been a teenager for quite some time. But so much of this, I was just like, oh, I remember this day. I remember this feeling. I remember my first interaction with a boy where I was like, oh, I'm attracted to you. Um, and all these things that are perfectly normal things, but are awkward and can be hard to deal with, like knowing when to get a bra and how to ask for a bra, getting a period and also comparing yourself to other friends and their experience, uh, chest size. And if you have boobs versus don't have boobs. Uh, talking to guys or girls or whoever you're interested in. It's all very complicated and it's it's fun and it's interesting. And I'm sure being a parent, it's even more interesting to see how that happens and plays out with your kids or nieces or nephews or whatever. But they just did such a beautiful job, I think, of addressing all of that in this movie and staying true to the book as well. And a lot of that credit, I think, goes to Judy Bloom as well for writing such good material in the first place. So one like that I had with this movie, one of my bigger likes, is that I thought it was paced very well. It flowed very well. It gets right into the story. I mean, the movie starts. Margaret's coming home from summer camp. Her parents tell her she's going to move. And then, you know, five minutes later, they've moved. Uh, One of her, you know, neighbors comes over and invites her over to her house. And that's kind of where the movie, you know, and then from there, you're just kind of going along with what's happening in her life. So I liked that there wasn't a lot of setup. Obviously, 
understanding as the viewer that, hey, we know what a family looks like. We know that this is her grandmother, um, you know, and things get revealed throughout the movie, especially about Rachel McAdams character. You learn mm -hmm. a lot about what she, some of the things she's dealing with as a mother throughout the film. Um, but I just thought it was really well done and and you know, flowed very well. There was never a moment where I was bored or looking at my watch or anything. And it's only an hour, 45 minutes too. So. Yes. I really good point with the pacing because there wasn't, I, I didn't feel that way either. I didn't feel like I wanted to leave the movie. I didn't mentally check out during any of it. Um, and it was really interesting and things flowed nicely. Like, you know, suddenly these girls would be talking about like, we must increase our bust, which is a famous <laughs> line from it. And then they would be talking, she'd be going bra shopping and then they would lead into like, who do we have a crush on? And then it would be them meeting with their secret club and talking about boys and then her talking to Moose, which is such a cute, that is such a cute like nickname for a neighborhood boy in the 70s. Um, but I agree with you, Jared. I thought that was really nice. Um, and I thought the length of the film was really good. And considering the last few movies we've talked about, how we've said that's a detriment to the movie because of the genre it is or like the material, how those movies are kind of lingering and they're too long. This movie was perfectly paced and I think a perfect length for a family film. Another like that I had for this is I thought it was pretty funny as well. Um, you mentioned that it's like a good family movie. And I think there are a couple of scenes that are really good and like really comedic, including like the spin the bottle scene. I thought yes. was very funny at the party. Um, there's some other scenes in this movie as well, like the scene where they go by like pads. Uh, yeah. I thought was funny. And they go to the checkout and it's like a teenage guy that's checking them out. And the conveyor belt's just moving so slow. I thought that was that was funny as well. So there's some good comedic moments in this movie, too. Yeah. And Rachel McAdams, I thought I, I love her so much, but she does a really good job of being a mom, which she is in real life, but like also being funny and knowing that things are awkward, but be like just tackling things in such a tactful, sweet way like you'd want a mom to do it. And a lot of it reminded me of my mom, how my mom handled things. Um, it made me want to call my mom after and tell her thank you um, because I thought that she she dealt with things in a really wonderful way um, with growing up. Uh, and then I also, you said something else that I really liked. Um, I can't remember. If I think of it, I'll say something. <laughs> <laughs> um, so another like that, I, that we had is, um, you know, it's got a really great cast in it. It's got a lot of experienced people like Kathy Bates and Rachel McAdams. Um, and even Abby Ryder Fortson has been in a couple of movies at this point, including right. Marvel movies. So those are some big projects. But then a lot of the kids in this movie I had not seen before, but I thought that they were all very well cast. I thought the friend group, Margaret's friend group, was very believable that those four girls would be friends. I thought the young men were cast very well, like Moose. I thought he was cast great. Adorable. And, uh, I loved the Moose. other the other kid with the glasses that has the birthday party. I forget his name, but he was he was funny in this movie, too. So um, I thought the teacher was great in his role, too. Um, yes. So you got some some unknowns or lesser known actors in this movie working with some heavyweights. But I think the casting was really well done. Yes. Also, Jared, you sparked two things. The one thing I was just going to mention was how funny I found the kids uh, because I thought Rachel McAdams did a good job, but those kids had really good comedic timing. And then if you can remind me later, uh, one thing that you brought up about the teacher, I did have one dislike and I couldn't remember what okay. it was. And now I'm like, oh yeah, I got it. I also wanted to specifically highlight um, 
the scenes that Kathy Bates and Abby Ryder Fortson were in. Yeah. It was like so believable to me that Kathy Bates could have been her grandma. Like oh, when yeah. she goes and sees her in New York and they go to that, the Pirates of Penzance uh, presentation and yep. they like, do some other stuff. I just thought that that was really, really great scene and really believable that like Kathy Bates, I thought, played that role really well as the grandma character uh, in this movie. And a lot of times yeah. she's not she's not acting with them in the scene. It might be like a phone. Like there's lots of phone uh-huh. calls in this movie where she's on the phone with somebody. Um, but I thought she did a really good job in this. So, yes. And I, I thought that this movie did a really beautiful job tackling different generational problems. So mm-hmm. like Kathy Bates situation was loneliness. Her family has moved away. She has this one grandchild and um, also the, dealing with the hurt of the in-laws not being okay with them being Jewish. That's a big conflict in the film. And then the parents, they're dealing with raising a teenage girl, moving, and religious disputes between in-laws. And then Margaret, of course, is like this typical coming-of-age teenager and how hard that transition is in life. So I don't I don't know a lot of movies that I can immediately think of that do a really good job with this and seeing like the generational differences. Um, another like is, we already talked about the length of this movie being great an hour and 45 minutes really fits well i also like how the story moved through different seasons i thought that kept the pacing going as well Mm. i didn't talk about that earlier but like you know it's we go to summer and then it's fall and then at one point it's christmas and you know then we're in the next summer basically so i think that helped keep the film moving because the time of year was changing as as the movie was going on but good length and then also a really good soundtrack as well hans zimmer did the score for this movie he did isn't he your favorite yeah, I really enjoy him. I when he popped so. up, I did not know that he had done the score for this. And I was like, yeah. wow, Hans Zimmer going from doing either. like Dune and Christopher Nolan movies to Are You There, God? It's Me, Margaret. Yeah. <laughs> also, not to get off on a bizarre tangent, but since we are talking about composers, Nicholas Bratel is the composer for, um, well, he's done a lot of like recent movies, but he does the stuff for Succession. And I came across a really interesting Vanity Fair interview with him last night. It was on Instagram. It was like a two minute clip or something, but he was talking about how he developed the theme. That theme is so good for the show Succession. Mm -hmm. So if anybody's a fan of that, please try to find that clip because it's interesting how he, there were even things that he, he has like elements of hip hop and stuff. And I thought I've never noticed that that was happening until he explained it. Um, And it's just interesting to hear how composers come up with anything in general, but he's definitely an on the rise composer. Hans Zimmer is very established already. Um, My last like I wanted to mention was I appreciated so much that this was a realistic representation of women and their different body shapes and types. Uh, Especially people have talked about Rachel McAdams in this. Um, Well, I don't know that I've heard anything negative. I've heard her talk about it. She had just given birth to her son, her second child. Um, So she doesn't look the same as she did in the notebook um, or Mean Girls, but she looks like a real woman and she looks like a mom and she looks like a mom that is relatively new in her postpartum body. And I thought that was beautiful. And I applaud her for making that decision and being brave to show her body that way. And I applaud the director and everybody else for doing that as well, because we don't we rarely get that in Hollywood. And I also liked that they showed things like the little like, uh, is it Maggie Wheeler, the neighbor? Um, how yeah, she, yep. you know, she's tall and kind of lanky and, you know, she hasn't quite fit into her body yet. And then Margaret looks so different. And there's a lot of comments about bodies in this movie. And I thought they did a good job of showing all sorts of different body shapes and types and how, uh, 
teenage being a teenager is like that awkward stage where you're not really you don't really fit into anything in your body yet. Yeah, I thought that was you that was a good point that you bring up there. Um cuz I thought Rachel McAdams did look a lot like a mom in this movie yeah. like when she's cutting all those stars out, she just has like sweatpants and a crew neck on. Like that's yeah. what somebody would wear if they were, you know, and they're not going to be all like put together all the time, especially yeah. when you're moving and you're a mother of uh, you know, like middle schooler. So, yeah, definitely. And I thought she's that, still... that was done really well. Oh, sorry. She's still beautiful. I mean, she's mm-hmm. still Rachel McAdams, but she just looked like a like a mom who just gave birth would really look. And that was cool. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have any other likes before we move on to dislikes? No, that's it. But I have a very short dislike okay. list. Okay. Um, yeah, I would say a dislike for me, and I saw you had this on here, so I think we both agree, is that mm-hmm. um, the marketing for this movie is a little weird. In the fact that one is not appealing very many men, but also I think it's it's kind of a divisive too on like certain political fronts or maybe where you lean politically. You might look at this and say, "Are you there, God? It's me, Margaret." And you're like, "Oh, that's going to be about religion a lot, and that doesn't really appeal to me." Or you mm-hmm. look at it and say, "Oh, it's going to be a movie about women's sexuality. That doesn't really appeal to me." Um, maybe on the other side of the spectrum. So I think it's just it's kind of a tough. I mean, it's a topic that needs to be discussed, obviously, but I think it's kind of a tough topic to appeal to like a, a bunch of different audiences and and age groups and things like that. Yeah, and it's kind of the thing. I I don't mean to be annoying. I hope I'm not to people who listen to this podcast, but I have been talking a lot lately about the movies we're seeing are so male centric and male dominated. They're written for men. They're written to please men. And things like explosions, fast cars, hot women, and guns. Like these are the things. And there's nothing wrong with like enjoying some of those things. Or like you know, I love James Bond. There's certain things I'm really into. I'm going to go see Fast 10. You know, it's not like I don't support some of those franchises, but it is really sad to me that a movie that was centered around teenage girls and women and their experience in this world is only up to $7 million and hardly anyone's talking about it. And there were no men in my theater and it just kind of infuriates me. I can't really fault the movie 100% for that, but I do think that they could have marketed this film better so more people would have gone. I think it's interesting, too, because this is Lionsgate who distributed this. You would think that after the great Rotten Tomatoes scores came out, that they would do more TV ads or Facebook uh, yeah. ads or something saying 98% Certi- on Rotten yeah, Tomatoes. Certified you know? fresh. Yeah, certified Yeah. Right. Yep. Like, after that comes out and you get such a high score for this movie, I mean, that's something that if you're a movie studio, you can take advantage of and right. say, hey, this is getting really well reviewed by critics and audiences. Right. Um, and I was just surprised that I didn't Now, Obviously, they're probably not trying to target me with their advertising uh, in terms of things that I watch or websites I visit or things like that. But I was just interested that I didn't see more of that in terms of, you know, some some ads revolving around the Rotten Tomatoes score and just how how people are liking this movie so much right right um only other dislike i had is um i thought benny safty was okay in this movie um but he wasn't up to the level of rachel mcadams and kathy bates and he's kind of one of the other co-leads i guess if you will as margaret's dad i thought he was fine but i just i didn't think this was like you know an amazing performance from him whereas i thought rachel mcadams and kathy bates were both really really good so yeah, I agree with that. It, that's not something I gave a lot of thought to, but I do agree with you. 
The only other dislike I could think of was, um, so it's not the teacher per se, but there was this whole project. He assigned them um, a paper where they had to write about a topic and he told Margaret, he suggested Margaret write about religion. Then it leads to this whole thing because her family is half Christian, half Jewish. She doesn't know if she wants to be religious. She doesn't know, you know, what to go, what, what, where to end up. So she goes to temple. She tries different things. And there's a pivotal moment in the film where it's like, it's kind of the climax where she writes this paper that's kind of a cry for help. Like, I don't know what to do. My family's imploding. I don't know if I want to believe in anything. And the teacher looks really sad. And then it's just never addressed. So I don't know if the teacher it's talked like, oh, to her. Oh, that's the bell. Time to leave. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the teacher looks really sad. And the next time we see... and and. That made me sad because that teacher was so good. He was so engaging. He was awesome with the students. I liked the material he was teaching, the way he was teaching it. But it's weird to me to see a teacher who would be alerted of a potentially traumatic and like triggering situation in a family and then wouldn't address it with the child. Because the next time we see him, they're like buddy, buddy. They're at like a parade festival kind of thing. It looked like May Day or something. And everything is fine. And I just thought, well, what happened with the religious like debate and the paper and the research project? Like, did anybody ever figure this out? So I did think that was a big gaping hole in the storyline. Yeah, I would agree with you there for sure. Um, and then my only other dislike is uh, making Rachel McAdams cut out 10,000 blue felt stars. Yes. Like, you know, what what lady is going to make her do that? Yeah. Yeah, that, oh my gosh. And you know that stuff happens to like PTA parents all the time. All the time. Yeah, yeah. And then they couldn't even put them up because right, they're a fire hazard. Right, because it's a hazard. hazard. Like, duh, yeah. Right, right. <laughs> so... Okay, time to give our scores for Are You There, God? It's me, Margaret. Uh, I'm going to rate this movie pretty high. I really enjoyed it. I think it's great that it came out at this time of year when we've got so much other superhero and like Super Mario Brothers and all this other like generic IP content that's out right now. Um, so I'm going to give this an 87 out of 100. Really enjoyed awesome. it. Just a few dislikes. Um, you know, I was able to really enjoy it, even though it's not a movie that is really talking about things that like I deal with. Now, some things obviously sure. Like when you're an, when you're a adolescent boy, some of those same things like trying to find your friends and everything is still relevant for sure. But I thought as a movie that wasn't necessarily targeted at me, I still really enjoyed it. It was really engaging, really funny. The story was really good. So 87. Awesome. I think that's totally fair. I'm going to go ahead and give it a 90. I could see this being a top film of the year. We'll just see how everything else shakes out. I don't think it's Oscar worthy or anything, but when when you talk about just the lived experience that I've had and it is targeted to females, I know that. I related to it so much. I thought they did a beautiful job of representing women and their stories. It's a wholesome movie. It's a family movie. It's lighthearted. Um, I thought they did so much of it. It was so well done and there were very few things I disliked. So a 90 for me. Nice. Yeah. I just hope that more people go see it or yeah. it's a, a life on streaming or something because uh, it's a good movie that deserves to be seen more than it has been so far. So yeah. 
that's our thoughts on Are You There, God? It's me, Margaret. And you can follow the show on social media at Podcast Silver on Twitter and Instagram. Search the Silver Screen Podcast on Facebook. Find us there, and you can find our letterbox profiles in the description of the show. So you can click down there and see what else we're watching and rating and reviewing on Letterboxd. And then in our next episode, we will be wrapping up the Guardians of the Galaxy franchise in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. This is the last Guardians of the Galaxy movie. Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. Yes. I mean, I'm going to go see it. That's... <laughs> I I don't know what to Katie's trekking through. Yeah. <laughs> I am dedicated to the podcast and its listeners. And it seems like we've just had so many Chris Pratt movies recently. And it, Yeah. Here's and, it, you one. know, they're not getting better. And my opinion hasn't changed. So... Yep, I'm going. I will go. So, well, Guardians of the Galaxy, Volume 3, our next episode. (laughs) Until next time, we'd like to thank the Academy.